Girl Camper is sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Get an RV policy quote by calling 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or going to progressive.com backslash RV. And go Little Guy Worldwide, whose full line of lightweight camping trailers are Girl Camper favorites. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit, and I'm a girl camper. I go places and I do things in my little 1966 Go Tagalong Vintage Travel Trailer. Along the way, I meet many interesting people traveling the back roads, and I want to share their stories with you. We will talk about the qualities of what makes a girl camper and how you can become a girl camper, too. The girl campers are having a party, and you're invited. Stay tuned while I share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Welcome. I'm Janine Pettit. Girl Camping Ambassador, Blogger, Adventurist, and Podcaster. And this is episode number 46 of Girl Camper, the podcast. Well, it's all about FAQs today. I'm answering those frequently asked questions. After last week's Camper College and the week before being at BlogHer, I realize I often hear the same question over and over. So this week, I'm digging into some mail and I'm answering the listener questions that I get through my Contact the Girl Camper email. I figure if one person is thinking this question, maybe other people are too. So that's what's happening. Stay tuned. I'm opening up the mailbag. Girl Camper News Roundup is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. And did you know that adding your RV insurance with another Progressive policy, like auto, motorcycle, or boat, is a great way to save money when you're out on the road seeing the sights? If you're a Girl Camper, you can add a second RV. You can find out more about this by calling 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or by visiting progressive.com backslash RV. Well, there is news to round up, and I want to tell you, first of all, that my newest GoRVing blog has been published by GoRVing. It is on their site, GoRVing.com, under Meet the Bloggers, or you can read it on GoRVing's Facebook page. This month, my blog is about my very own real-life sister, Natalie, who had the RV dream. So Natalie moved to California like 20 years ago because she's an outdoor gal. She's a runner. She's active. She's, you know, just one of these people who loves warm weather, too. And she had the idea that she wanted to be in a position to go camping at any time. And she did some tent camping, but in the back of her mind, she had that RV dream. She wanted to someday own a little trailer and be able to go camping on the spur of the moment. And one of the things about having an RV is that 
you can have that stuff already. You know, ideally, we all want to get into the place where the RV is packed and all we have to do is throw in a hoodie and some food and hitch it up to the car and go. So she harbored that dream for a long time. And the article is about how she finally made it happen. And and she made it happen in a time that would seem like the worst timing in the world. But she just made a decision of sort of now or never. I can't keep postponing this dream. So anyway, Natalie's story is on Go RVing. It's all about overcoming those obstacles. And now she's living her dream and how beautifully she's living it. So thanks, Nat, for coming on. So if you want to read Natalie's story, head on over to Go RVing. Okay, the other thing I want to talk about is something interesting. There is an organization called Texas Lifestyle Collective, and what they do is they bring together tastemakers and trendsetters and people who are interested in fashion, decor, home design, food, all these things that girl campers love. What I think is really interesting about this is that they invited me to come and speak at an event happening in Waxahachie, Texas on October 6th, and I said yes right away because... My mother lives in Waxahachie. So what a great excuse to visit mom and talk about what I love to talk about. But also, I'm going to be in the company of some really fun people. The top headline speaker is going to be Eddie Ross. Eddie Ross is the style editor for Better Homes and Gardens for the East Coast. And he just wrote a new book that I ordered online because I can't wait until I get to Texas to pick it up. The book is called Modern Mix. And it's all about incorporating things that you love, classic things that you already owned, with what's new and making a modern but classic vibe. And if you are a reader of Better Homes and Gardens, as I have been for 35 years, and, and it was always in our home growing up, so I've had that magazine in my life for 50 years, you can see that he is changing the direction of that magazine and bringing it up to a more modern um, aesthetic. So I'm really excited to be speaking with Eddie. The other headliner is a beautiful woman named Caroline Harper Knapp, and she is the founder of House of Harper. I highly encourage everybody to go on to Instagram and check out these two Instagram feeds, Eddie Ross and House of Harper for some really beautiful design inspiration. So Caroline is into fashion, but she has a beautiful home and two cute little boys. And um, I think her style could be described as everyday beauty because her certainly her fashion aesthetic is stunning, but it's also, it's a very casual everyday kind of beauty for women who are busy. I mean, moms today, they've got children, they've got careers, they've got homes, and I think her work is beautiful. So I'm going to be on the stage with both of them at the Chautauqua in Waxahachie on October 6th. There's two ways to buy tickets for this event. You can buy a ticket by going to Texas Lifestyle Collective, or you can go on to girlcamper.com, and I'll provide a link. So there's two tickets um, for this. It's a $50 ticket, and you get to be in the Chautauqua all day and see these beautiful presentations. And um, there's going to be food trucks, and it's really pretty. It's in a beautiful park in Waxahachie. And that's a $50 ticket. 
And then there's the upgraded $100 ticket, which provides you with the opportunity to move the whole party to the square in Waxahachie in later in the evening, and it includes dinner at the Dove's Nest with the headliner speakers, plus me. <laughs> so we can go to the Dove's Nest for dinner, and there's a book signing, and everyone who gets the $100 ticket gets an autographed copy of Eddie Ross's book, and you get your picture taken with him and with Caroline Harper. And so it should be a really fun evening, and I can't wait to go to this. Um, my lovely friend, PJ Rourke, from Princess Craft RV in Round Rock, Texas, where we are hosting Camper College on November 11th, is kind enough to bring a trailer up for us. And so we're going to have a decked-out trailer there, and you can sit around and talk about girl camping. So... If you want to come and see our trailer and meet PJ from Princess Craft and talk about girl camping, please come and sign up for that. I want to add a little bit of a bonus to podcast listeners. So if you are a podcast listener in the Texas area, or you decide to get a pile of girlfriends together and make this a day, because this is a great girlfriend day. I remember years ago when it used to be a big thing to give your wife a day of beauty at the spa. <laughs> My husband gave me one once and it was like $265 and I went in in the morning and you get uh, powdered and puffed all day long like like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz when they put her through all the buffing machines and get to her hair and everything. I couldn't wait for it to be over. I thought it was horrible. <laughs> My poor husband, he thought he was doing such a nice thing. I just didn't like being poked and prodded all day long. I, you know, I, I got my hairdresser. I get my hair cut. Uh, I personally didn't like that day of beauty. But to me, a $100 day of beauty that's aesthetic, that's visual, now that I could get behind. <laughs> so I'm telling my podcast listeners in the Texas area or those who might want to make a road trip of it, if you sign up for that $100 ticket, please make a note of it in the comments when you're purchasing your ticket because I'm going to bring a swag bag for all the girl campers who buy the $100 ticket and come. So just a little extra for podcast listeners. So that's going to be fun. Mark your calendars October 6th, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. 10 p.m. if you buy the $100 ticket. I don't know what time it ends. Five-ish, I think, if you buy the $50 ticket, which is you know, a beautiful day in itself. So I can't wait to see all of that. Now, since I'm already going to be in Waxahachie, I had a telephone call from someone who knows the um, founding members of the Texas Lifestyle Collective saying, we heard you're going to be in Waxahachie and we wonder if we can convince you to stay for a couple extra days and take part in the vintage market at the Waxahachie Convention Center. Um, that's happening Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. October 7, 8, and 9. So this is sort of like a mini country living fair. And so I'm pretty excited about this too. I figured what the heck, I'm already down there. It gives me an extra three days to lay around my mother's pool. <laughs> so I'm going to be at the Vintage Market Fair. Vintage Market Days, it's called, in Waxahachie, October 7th, 8th, and 9th. And PJ is coming up from Round Rock, and she's going to keep that trailer up there. And we're going to have a whole girl camper display going on at Vintage Market Days. So please look into that, too. And there's tons of great hotels and B&Bs in Waxahachie, too. If you've never been to Waxahachie, put it on your list. It's a great just day trip. If you, if you live anywhere around there or you're passing through Texas, get off and go to Waxahachie. It's my favorite small town. Okay, so that is what is going on for appearances, and I hope to see some of you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
I'm going to be back in a minute and we're going to have our campfire chat. Campfire Chat is brought to you today by Little Guy Worldwide. They're the proud sponsor of the Girl Camper Podcast, and they want to help girls get out on the road. And there are so many beautiful makes and models and things to look at. If you want to see any of the Little Guy trailers in person, you can do so at the next Camper College, which will be September 16th in Columbus, Ohio at Haydesee Airstream. This is our fourth Camper College at Haydesee. Thank you, Haydesee, for having us again. If you want to see them in person, come out and join us or go to golittleguide.com and take a look at their website. So today on Campfire Chat, I want to talk about driving safety. So it seems like I'm hearing a lot of things from people about things that are going wrong that really shouldn't go wrong. And thank God nothing has been very serious. But one of the women wrote last week on one of the blogs that she got so tired she had to pull over and sleep in a rest stop. But then there was some kind of commotion that happened at the rest stop which really frightened her and she smartly turned her car back on and pulled out. And... um so I want to talk about just some of the safety tips. When Holly Burroughs was on the show and we did uh, Solo Women Travel Safety, she talked about stay, staying in rest stops, and she advised that you absolutely never do it. So anyway, I want to go over a few of the safety things. And one, the very first thing I want to talk about is it seems like um, a no-brainer, but everybody's mind works in a different way. So I want to talk about this. Being fully rested when you leave. Now, we tend to bring things into our own life that we inherited from the way we grew up as children. One of the things my parents always did is wake up at 3 in the morning and put us in the car and start driving. So if we were going to Florida at Christmas time, we didn't leave at 10 a.m. My, my parents got us up, put us all in the car, and by 7 a.m. we were across the Delaware Memorial Bridge and on our way south. And you know, you always feel good when you get a jump on the day. Well, when I look back on that now, I can always remember my dad being out in the driveway at midnight, still getting stuff stuffed into that station wagon. And I think back on it now and I think, how much sleep could he have really had? Now, Rick and I did the opposite thing. We used to drive every year to Chicago for Thanksgiving. And Rick would come home from work on Tuesday before Thanksgiving in the afternoon, like 1 or 2 o'clock. And he would try to get a couple of hours of sleep, usually only 3 or 4 hours, because how easy is it to fall asleep in the middle of the afternoon? <laughs> it's not that easy with a house full of kids and activity going on. So he would sleep for a couple of hours. And then we would put the kids in the car at 7 p.m., they would be sleeping before we hit the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and we would drive through the night. I would fall asleep, and Rick would drive until 2 or 3 in the morning, and then when he would pull over and say, I'm done, I can't stay awake anymore, I would get a cup of coffee, and I would drive the, the next 5 or 6 hours, and we would land in my sister's driveway in Chicago around 8 a.m. Of course, the kids slept through the whole thing, and that was the whole goal. <laughs> didn't want to be up with the kids, you know, trying to entertain a six-year-old and a three-year-old for 10, 12 hours in the car. 
We could not do that today if our lives depended on it. In fact, even when we drive to Chicago now and we are driving in the middle of the day, we stay overnight. We do not make that 12-hour drive in a single day anymore. We drive somewhere to, we try to get to the eastern side of Indiana or almost through Ohio and then we stop overnight. So it's it depends on what your driving style is. But I want to talk about whatever your driving style is, make sure you're really rested when you take off. We had this thing going on a few weeks ago where we were going to drive to West Virginia. And of course, you have the best intentions, right? Our goal was to get up and out the door early in the morning. We were going to have that trailer packed and we were going to leave at 7 a.m. Well, it didn't work out that way. And by the time we pulled out of that driveway at one in the afternoon, we had been packing and unpacking and playing with the hitch and and checking tire pressure in like 99 degree heat and humidity. And we finally pulled out at one in the afternoon and we were an hour and a half from home near an exit where I shop at a mall all the time when my husband said to me, I'm too tired. I can't drive. You're going to have to I'm going to have to pull over and you're going to have to take the wheel. And I said, I'm too tired. I can't drive. So we actually saw a rest stop, which is so close to our house that I've actually pulled in it to meet people when I go shopping with them, that we pulled into that rest stop and ended up climbing into the back of the trailer and sleeping for two hours, an hour and a half from our house because we left exhausted. So you really have to make sure that, A, if you are too tired to drive, you have the good sense to pull over. Somebody posted last night, online that she wasn't going to make it. She was four hours away from her destination and she was somewhere in Waco, Texas, and she was going to stay overnight because she was too tired. And everyone was giving her little clapping emoji saying thank you for being sensible enough to pull over. But sometimes accidents are caused when we think we can make it and it takes a split second to fall asleep behind the wheel. So it seems like a no-brainer and an obvious thing, but be fully rested when you're driving. Okay, number two, Plan your trips. So when you're going out, let's just say you're going on a day trip or a trip that's only going to take you one day to get there, maybe a seven-hour drive or even a a five- or six-hour drive, don't just trust your GPS. Actually go on and look at the map because you could plan a break in this trip around a point of interest. So I like to look and see if there's something along the way. If I'm only doing a seven-hour driving day, I'd like to pick something out that I could see along the way because it's not just enough to stop and get gas and to get food or make a potty break. When you do that, you should absolutely use that time to do a couple laps around the rest stop, not just walk to the bathroom back and get back in that car with a cup of coffee. My mom always makes me do this when I'm traveling with her. When my mom was just in Connecticut with me and we were coming home, we had to get out and do three laps around the rest stop parking lot. I I think it was a quarter mile or whatever by the time we made the three laps, but we really got our blood going. And so plan your breaks. Use the rest stops to really get your blood going. Make sure that when you take a break that you're switch drivers if you have a second driver. So go back and forth. My mom and dad always did every two hours. When Aunt Sue was on, a favorite, she told me that she and Gordon switched drivers every two hours and it didn't matter if they were tired or not. Two hours was all you got behind the wheel. So 
switching drivers, really using your brakes to stretch your muscles, get some blood going, and then maybe plan a point of interest that you could go to along the way. Spend two or three hours there and you could still get to your destination at a decent time. So take a look at your map. Don't rely on GPS and see if you can make the journey more fun than the destination or at least as much fun. Another thing to think about that helps you when you're driving is really making good food choices. So you know I always travel with my BFF Carol (laughs) and Carol and I. Carol lives on cheddar cheese and I live on hummus and carrots and we always have them in a little soft pack cooler in the front seat and we do not like to eat while we're driving except if we absolutely get really hungry because it's our big thing to have a nice meal when we get where we're going. Now when Carol and I are home and one of us has a bad day we'll always call the other one and say hey would you like to go out for a drink and make bad food choices with me? (laughs) Well Don't make bad food choices when you're driving. You know that heavy, carbohydrate-laden foods just make you tired. So eat light, stay hydrated, drink plenty of water when you're driving, and then treat yourself to a nice meal when you get where you're going. My last tip about driving safety has to do with polarized sunglasses. I have come to believe that polarized sunglasses are a piece of equipment that should be required for people towing an RV or driving long distance of any kind. So I finally made the expenditure and bought a really nice, good, expensive pair of polarized sunglasses. And I can't even tell you the difference that they make because I usually buy $10 flea market sunglasses because I lose sunglasses all the time. But since I spent the money on a a good pair, I think I spent about $150, I treasure them. I guard them like you can't believe. I actually put them in the little sleeve they came in and put them in my purse. I try not to take them out of my car. This is a trick of my husband's. My husband never takes his sunglasses out of his car. We'll be at a park all day long and he'll be squinting, but he knows his sunglasses are safe. So when he goes to drive, he is going to have them. So how polarized sunglasses work is the polarized lens blocks the light rays that would normally enter your eyes off reflective surfaces. So the highway pavement is very reflective. If you're on a hot sunny day and you're driving and there's no cloud cover, there's so much reflective light coming off the top of your car coming off the pavement and if you're driving around water we just went through Ohio and it was lake after lake after lake and it was so sunny and the reflective light was so strong so what happens is the polarized lens somehow I don't know how they do that but it filters the light your eye receives the light in a different way and it it is incredible in reducing glare tension in your eyes so you get a lot of tension when you're driving for a long time and you're squinting because the squinting is your effort to filter the light yourself but if you spend the money on a nice pair of sunglasses your driving distance and endurance and comfort and pleasure is so much higher so i highly suggest you buy yourself a good pair of polarized sunglasses It reduces headaches, it reduces tension, it just makes driving so much more pleasurable. And to me, it's a piece of equipment that I think should be required for all drivers. So those are my driving tips. Stay safe on the road. We're going to be back in a minute and we're going to be answering frequently asked questions. But before we do that, I want to give you our travel tip of the week from Progressive. 
Progressive wants you to know when you're on the road and you're heading on a camping trip, if you take a few extra minutes and you grab all that lint out of your dryer and you stuff it in the empty toilet paper rolls, you can have a great campfire starter when you get where you're going. Now, one of our followers told me that she throws a couple of the old birthday candles. Because you know when you light a birthday cake and you blow out the candles, they're only half done. She saves all those. She stuffs them in the lint with the toilet paper roll and it adds a little extra fire starter to that. So it's just another way Progressive has you covered while you're out on the road. Welcome back, everyone. You know, it's been a while since I dug into the listener mail, and I'm going to do that today because we've got a lot of mail piling up here, and when I see a question repeating itself, I know it's time to address it on the air. So I'm going to get right down to it. I have a letter here from Anne who writes, How long did you practice before you were ready to go out on the road alone? She's referring to towing. My husband has been riding shotgun with me, and I feel like I'm doing well when he's there, but I haven't towed alone yet. I joined Sisters on the Fly and want to go by myself to a campout that is two hours away from home. Any tips on stemming my anxiety and getting to a point of going solo, period. Well, Anne, bravo for trying. I mean, take your time. Slow and steady wins the race when it comes to towing, but... Here are a few tips I can add to that, okay? One, if you're trying to go on that sister on the fly trip and you really want to go alone, go at a time of day when it's going to be less traffic on the road. Don't worry about what time everybody else is arriving. Go when you feel comfortable. So I would not advocate starting out at 7 in the morning when all the commuter traffic and school buses are on the road. That sounds stressful. So maybe you could leave between like 10 and 2 p.m. in the afternoon when traffic is lighter. So there's a thought. The other thing is... When you're towing with your husband and he's in the uh, riding shotgun with you, you feel safe because he's right there. But maybe you could do this. Don't make the sister on the fly trip your first solo towing. You really are already towing. He's in the car with you. So I would do this. I would get in behind the wheel yourself. Have your husband follow you in his car if that would make you feel more comfortable and just drive around your town or drive get on the highway and drive down two exits with your husband right behind you maybe you would feel better if you knew that if something went wrong he was behind you you could put the phone on speaker on bluetooth and just communicate with him and say how do i look from behind (laughs) most husbands like their wives to not ask that question but how do I look when I'm towing from behind? So maybe that's something you could do and it could help you stem your anxiety. The other thing, when I get in like a heavy traffic thing and I'm feeling a little stress, I put on music that is soothing to me. I listen to John Denver all the time. So 
put on a little quiet playlist that keeps your nerves calm. Nothing that's going to rile you up, but if there's something that you can do that would make you just, you know, not be hyper-focused on every bump on the road, because that's what's happening. We hit a little bump and we think something fell off the trailer. So keep on a little playlist that's soothing to you and, you know, try to stay focused on where you're going. If your mind is singing along, you wouldn't believe how quickly those miles go by. Another thing I can tell you to do, Anne, is say your prayers. When I'm driving along, it's where I catch up on all my prayers. So on Facebook, we always see all the prayer requests, and I try to say a little prayer when I read them, but they come back to my mind when I'm driving, when I have a lot of hours. So that's a distracting thing, too, and it's a good thing. So drive along, thinking good thoughts, saying prayers for people, and your mind will be focused on something else. Now, last thing. And in worst case scenario, have your husband drive with you up there. Have your husband ride shotgun. You do the towing. It's only two hours from home. It sounds like you have a patient husband, so he might. And there's so many sisters who have done this, so your husband might be willing to do this. Have your husband ride shotgun with you up to the sister on the fly event. Don't feel like you're not pulling your own weight if your husband takes you up there. Have him help you unhook the trailer and walk you through everything. He'll take the car home and come back for you. If your husband does that, I'm sending him a reward, okay? (laughs) And let me tell you, I've seen many sisters on the fly do that the first or second time, and now they're towing all over by themselves. There is no kind of criteria that says this is the amount of time you're allowed. You should not tow until you feel comfortable. So nobody wants somebody on the road who is afraid, but you can push yourself a little and use some of these tricks and maybe you can get out there on the road. But please let me know what you decide to do and I'm going to send your husband a prize if he takes you. But I'm hoping that you can do it by yourself, but don't be so hard on yourself, Anne. You're getting there. Okay, number two, I have a letter. And actually, this, this this is a letter that comes up all the time. So I'm I'm really compiling about three different emails to ask this one question. Should I trust a Craigslist ad for a trailer? Okay, I have a couple thoughts on this. One, this is how the Craigslist scams work for a trailer. And it happens. It's very frequent. Just Google it. I've seen Craigslist ads that say, there is a Airstream trailer for sale, and it's $2,600. Well, you know what? If something's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. There's something wrong there. A couple of months ago, there was a trailer posted in central New Jersey, and it said it was a perfectly restored vintage chest, and they only had one picture of it. And it was in a town nearby, so I, I wrote, and I'm thinking, what is this all about? And the lady wrote back with the story. My husband and I bought this. We were going to travel together. He passed away suddenly. Now I'm at my daughter's in Phoenix. And the trailer is at the shipper's. Any As soon as I get the money, the shipper will send it to you. Okay, just delete that immediately. But report it to Craigslist first. That's how that scam works. These are red flags you should be looking for. If the price is way too low for what they're offering it's probably scam. If they only have exterior pictures, those are pictures they usually swipe from another ad or from somewhere on Google Images. If you write to them and say, may I see interior shots? And they say, I can't get them to you right now. Mm, I wouldn't go for that. Another frequent thing they say in the scams is, 
I'm being shipped off to Afghanistan and my wife is going to be home with our three children for a year, so I need to get this money to her. That's another red flag. Okay, the husband is died and I'm out of state. That's another red flag. Also, pay attention to the grammar. A lot of times I see in these um, scamming ads, the grammar is way off and you know that's someone just scamming you. So now, all of that being said about the scams, I have bought several trailers off Craigslist myself. So if you find that the people respond to what you're saying and that they will post you pictures, they'll give you a phone number, you text them or call them and you're speaking to an actual person and then ask them, could I come over and look at the trailer? If you get there to look at the trailer, you want to make sure that your trailer that you're purchasing has a title and not just a bill of sale. Now, there are a few states in the country in which you can register a trailer with nothing but a bill of sale, but you absolutely cannot do that in New Jersey, no matter what. <laughs> so we had a trailer. I bought a trailer once without a title and... It was a nightmare. So anyway, I was never able to register in the state of New Jersey, and I sold it to someone who was in a state, Florida, in which you could register a trailer with just a bill of sale, but in most states you cannot. And then there's also this thing is, if you're buying it with just a bill of sale, you don't know that it's not a stolen trailer. And I talked about that a couple of weeks ago because people steal trailers. They sell them with a bill of sale, and it's not their trailer. And someone came along and took the trailer back. It was tracked to them, and the people lost their money. They weren't arrested because they were realized that they were part of a scam. But make sure that you have a title, and it's a legitimate one. The other thing that would be key in a Craigslist deal would be to... Ask the seller to allow you to have the trailer inspected. We had Todd Henson on a couple weeks ago, and he talked about trailer inspection connection. Call, find a inspector, and have the trailer inspected. Now, if you buy a used trailer from a reputable RV dealer, you will get a 90-day warranty, and you know where to go. So if you buy a trailer from a person on Craigslist, and a lot of times... I have had this happen several times because not everyone can keep a trailer in their driveway. You buy a trailer from someone, something goes wrong, you go back to their house. Oh, I didn't, you know, that was my friend whose trailer was in my driveway. I don't know where he is. Okay, so you have no recourse. So if you buy a used trailer, ask for an RV inspection. A reputable RV dealership will give you a 90-day warranty, but you're not getting anything out of that seller. So it's buyer beware, get an inspection. I would not be afraid to buy a trailer on Craigslist, but I would be aware of all of these things. So, all right, moving on. Here's another letter I got. Dear Janine, I recently started listening to your podcast and I feel very encouraged. Well, thank you. <laughs> I am beginning to seriously think I could do some girl camping as well as some other solo travel to visit friends when I retire in about a year. I am starting my research now into what I might want to buy. I plan to go to the RV shows this coming winter. Can you please tell me what I should be looking for or what I should be asking when I am there? Thank you. P.S. I will be replacing my current car so I will have some flexibility. I don't want to go too big with a tow vehicle, though. Okay, 
So it sounds like what you've decided on, because you're talking about tow vehicles, it, she's already decided the number one thing, and that is whether you're going to go with a travel trailer or a motorhome. So first you need to decide, are you going motorhome or travel trailer? I'm going to address this as if you're buying a travel trailer. So when you're buying a travel trailer, you want to ask yourself some questions about the size. How big do you want to go? And that would depend on what kind of camping you're doing. Am I going to be gone for three days, three weeks, three months? It doesn't sound like you're planning to full-time, according to your letter, but to take some extended road trips once you retire. So, you know, there's that sweet spot when you're buying a trailer. You want to have enough room that if you're on the road for three months, you're not uncomfortable that you have a little stretching room it's what i love about my riverside retro when that slide is out in my riverside retro i feel like it's a little cabin it's a little bit of a house and i enjoy that when i'm gone for a number of days so if i were gone for weeks that would be a real perk for me but some people don't like that. Some people just want to keep it as small and simple as possible but i want you to think about this when you're at rv shows trailers just like houses the bigger they are, the more they cost, not just initially, but to own and to operate. So if you buy a larger trailer and your every campsite you go to requires 50 amps instead of 30, a 50 amp site costs more than a 30 amp site. Also, every time you take a large trailer in, they just have more things that can go wrong. You can fit a lot more stuff in a large trailer and they have more things that can go wrong and they are costlier to repair. They also cost more to insure and they cost more to tow. They're heavier, they weigh more, you need a larger tow vehicle and it's going to cost you more in gas when you're towing it. So you want to weigh all these things and decide about size. So once you have figured out what size trailer you want, then you want to ask yourself a few other questions. And that is, how are you going to use the trailer? Are you an outdoor person? Are you going to be mostly outside? I mean, there's so many women who are out there and they're doing such incredible things. I mean, they're really going places and they're doing things when they get there. They're hiking, they're fishing, they're trail riding, they're, they're doing all kinds of things and they come home and they cook outside and they're sitting outside the trailer and the trailer is really just some place they sleep. If that's, if that's the kind of person you are, Get yourself a tab and be done with it, you know. You get your nice little awning out there and you're good to go. If you're a person who's going to be working from home or working from your trailer while you're traveling or you're going to be picking up friends along the way or doing things or you're, you're taking your craft projects with you and you're going to be knitting or soldering or doing some kind of um, travel that includes going to fairs and selling goods, then you might want something a little larger. So think about how you're going to actually use the trailer. Another thing you want to think about when you're at RV shows is the purchase price. So if you go online ahead of time and you kind of have an idea of what you're looking for, maybe you even have a particular model in mind and you've, you've been researching this online, then when you get to the show, you'll be able to know if the price that this dealer is giving you is a good price or not. Now, a lot of times at an RV show, it's special priced, you know, air quotes, special priced. Well, if you go in on the first day and they have lots of models, they may not mark it down as much as they want. 
as you would want. But sometimes on the last day, you can really get a good deal on it, but it might not be the exact model that you want. So it's you know up to you to go in ahead of time and do all your research on pricing. Be asking those questions. Is this the lowest price at which your dealership sells this trailer? Now, there's the manufactured suggested retail price. And what a lot of people, nobody pays that price. And, you know, if you go online and you do any kind of research on it, you can say that it's really marked down from that MSRP price between 20 to 30%. Now, sometimes at a show, you'll see something in the 34, 30 to 40% markdown. So you've got to do your homework about all of that ahead of time. The other thing you should know before you go, and this is a question you should be asking when you're at a show, is you really need to know what the gross vehicle weight is and the towing capacity of your tow vehicle. Now, you said that you're going to buy a new vehicle. So if you find a trailer that you fall in love with, you're going to match your new purchase of a tow vehicle to it. But if you've already got that tow vehicle and you're sticking to it, you really need to know what the towing capacity of that is and how much that trailer weighs. So those things should be listed at the show, but remember that that is dry weight. So when you add all your stuff to it, you want to leave yourself a cushion. Don't buy a trailer um, that is 1,500 pounds if your tow capacity is 2,000. Don't tow at capacity. Don't do that to yourself. So most of them are much bigger than that. But, you know, those are numbers and figures that you have to um, figure, that you should know ahead of time. So if you found what you want online and you go to the RV show in person, if you have price shopped and you know your numbers, the RV show is a good place to see what kind of deal you can get. So know your numbers ahead of time. The other thing I want to tell you about is there's a great article online, gonewiththewinds.com. They're a traveling couple. They actually are boaters as well as RVers, but they wrote a great article called The Shady Truth About Buying an RV, and it's good, bad, indifferent, all the things that are going on at an RV show. So I posted that article on the Camp Like a Girl Facebook page. It's really worth your time to read it, and you should have fun at all the RV shows. I, I love going to RV shows, so you're a good, smart consumer to be thinking of those things ahead of time and doing your research now. I would just caution that you don't fall madly in love with it and have someone talk you into something and end up with buyer's remorse. So even if you fall madly in love, give the guy a deposit, think about it overnight, and come back the next day, okay? <laughs> so I have one more question from someone who wrote, um, to me on Instagram this morning on the private part of Instagram and said, I have a Ford Escape and the towing capacity on it is 1,500 pounds. I bought a trailer two hours from home and it weighs 2,500 pounds. Do you think it's possible for me to tow this trailer just one time two hours from home? Okay, the answer is absolutely not. <laughs> Don't do it. Okay, it's, it only takes one time for something to happen. The other thing is, it's a risk for you and other people on the road. The third thing is, insurance companies now are really tightening up on these kinds of things. A lot of times we see what's happening is, if there's an accident with an RV and an RV and the car are totaled, the insurance company is just not blindly paying out on those things anymore. 
they will actually weigh the wreckage of the trailer, compare what that weighs against the tow capacity of your car. If they discover that you are towing something that is way too large for what your car is rated to do, they will not pay the claim. So that's the least of what could happen in that scenario, though. It's really, really dangerous to do that. And so just borrow a truck from a friend, pay someone to tow it for you, or rent a tow vehicle for the day and bring it home. Just do the safe thing, which is the conscientious thing that is good for all people who are on the road. Don't put other people in danger or yourself, okay? So those are our frequently asked questions. I actually have a lot more and maybe we'll do this again sometime soon because I really enjoy being able to share these. I always think that if one person is asking them, there's probably a dozen more who are thinking it and didn't write in to ask. So thank you everyone for your questions. We'll be back in a minute. And now our sponsor, Go Little Guy, brings you a message from another satisfied customer. I'm here at Tearstock with girl camper Lori. And Lori, I'm loving your little guy trailer. Tell me what you love about it. I love it because I can pull it. I can hook it up. I can drive it down the road and not worry about it swaying. I can decorate it um, according to my personality. I can make new friends with it. I have fun in it. Um, because it is everything that I've always wanted to be, and it's mine. I'd like to thank my sponsors, Progressive Insurance and Little Guy Worldwide. I'd also like to thank my producer, Stephanie, for producing Girl Camper, the podcast. You can hear Stephanie and her husband, Jeremy, every week on Campground of the Week, which comes out every Wednesday, and on Fridays on their own show that they co-host, the RV Family Travel Atlas Podcast. I'm going to be in the studio next week with Stephanie because we're going to overlap for a week and get lots of good interviews in. So until then, have a good week. Happy trails, everyone.